Well, good morning again and welcome. Uh, appreciate that. Love Ransom. Wasn't that awesome? This is one of the young men who grew up in our church and now he's leading in uh, this important ministry. So we're really proud of him and excited he's going to be a part of that. Uh, guys, we're in a series called Parent Traps. And I was just thinking, you know, uh, some of you guys are like me. We're not really parenting right now. We kind of done our job uh, getting ready to uh, be a grandfather, I guess. So maybe we kick in again. But Thank you guys for, uh, who, who may not, it may not be relevant at the moment, thank you for like saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're on board, we're supporting, uh, we want to see this uh, happen to our family and other families as well. So I just want to thank you for that, uh, that occurred to me that it might be relevant. But we're in this series, we're talking about some areas that parents get struck, stuck in or trapped uh, with their kids. And last week we talked about discipline. And uh, what kind of came out of that or what really stuck in my mind was this statement that Discipline is what shapes behavior, but more importantly, discipline is what shapes character. And how important it is that we are developing character in our children, not just that we're getting them to obey because of discipline or because of fear, but instead uh, because they're really getting it, and, and we're helping them get that through discipline. Now, what I've always found is that after the message, you always get the best illustrations. Somehow I'll come up and go, hey, this story and that story. So, um, so I can't always share those after all the message is over, but I did want to share one. Uh, Joanne Brown came up and told me uh, after the message, she said, you know, um, she was a single mom, and she said as, uh, uh, as a parent, she sang in the choir, and one Sunday she was singing in the choir, and Bug, believe it or not, Bug was a little bit rowdy out there in the, in the back, and so, uh, so she kind of gave her the eye, you know, and she shook her finger at her, and it didn't work, and so she came down out of the choir in the middle of service, and, and tugged Bug by the hand, I'm sure gently, and led her outside and, uh, and said, uh, uh, Bug, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about this. And Bug goes, Mama, Mama, please don't beat me like they beat Jesus. <laughs> so, so Joanne says she got, actually got tickled, as we all probably would, and she kind of lost track and didn't discipline her that day. So at any rate, the next Sunday... The same thing happened again. Uh, Joanne's in the choir, Bugs down there, misbehaving a little bit. The, the eye doesn't work, the finger doesn't work. So she took her outside, and once again, since it had worked before, Bugs said, Mama, Mama, please don't beat me like they beat Jesus. And her mother said, I'm going to beat you harder than they beat Jesus. <laughs> and I wanted to say thank you for letting me share that, first of all. But secondly, but secondly it must have worked, Right? Uh, because what an awesome young lady that bug is, all right? Yes. And she's a good sport, too, as well. I appreciate that. Um, all right. You know, last week we talked a little bit about uh, helicopter parents. So, you know, we, we know what those are. Those are helicopter parents that hover over their kids, and, you know, they're just always there. They're doing all their work for them and everything. Well, this week I heard a new term that I'd never heard before called uh, lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents, I thought that was interesting, and they said that lawnmower parents are those who would go to whatever lengths possible to prevent their child from having any adversity, struggles, or failures in life. Instead of preparing their kids to deal with the challenges, they mow the obstacles down in front of them. They go in front of them, and they prepare the way and smooth the way so their kids don't have to deal with that. And that sounds really good because we love our kids, right, and we would like to spare them of any difficulties or problems, but... Actually, when parents deprive their children of the opportunities to deal with problems, their parenting is oftentimes detrimental to their children. You're not helping your kids by mowing all the obstacles down. By doing that, we're saying, I don't think you're capable of handling this problem on your own. Let me fix it for you. 
and, and in raising children that have minimal struggle in life, what we actually do is we create a generation that has no idea what to do when they deal with problems down the road. When they grow up and they're going to have struggles and mom and dad aren't there to fix it for them, they don't know what to do with it. They, they panic or shut down at the mere idea of failure or oftentimes they, uh, they, they, only, they only know how to cope by uh, addictions or by blaming other people or internalizing all of that. So if we eliminate all the struggles in our kids' lives and challenge in their younger years, they're going to arrive at adulthood and they're going to have no idea how to deal with the major challenges of life. Now, I will, of course, say, like everything, there are exceptions. There are parents that have kids who suffer from anxiety or depression or maybe other uh, mental issues or whatever, and we want to try to prevent them, obviously, because we know what happens when they deal with those things. But I also want to suggest that I don't think it's necessarily the best solution for every sensitive child to be overly protected by the parents as much as we want to do that. Because if we want our kids to be successful and healthy adults, we've got to be able to teach them how to process through the problems of life, how to deal with issues, how to fail sometime, how to get back up and try again and help them become strong and learn how to advocate and deal with issues themselves. So uh, if you are a lawnmower parent, if you recognize yourself in that role, then stop it, all right? That's a great, great advice. Don't, don't do, you're not doing your child a favor. Well, today we're going to be talking about a different topic. As Tony said, we're going to be talking about faith. And every parent I've ever known, regardless of their own uh, faith system or where they are, their personal faith, they really want their child to be morally grounded and spiritually grounded. We want our kids to, to have some faith. We want them to develop that. But here's the trap. The trap is while we want them to have faith, we want them to decide for themselves. We, we don't want to force our beliefs on them or impose our beliefs on them because society has told us for years, don't shove your religion down their throats. Don't make them go to church. Don't force your beliefs on them. Probably every parent has heard that or has that implied in some way. But do you see how negative those words really are? The force, shove, make, you know, it just sounds like you're a horrible parent if you are trying to teach your kid and, and lead them to faith. And, and so we're, we oftentimes get in that trap. What does a parent do? How do we balance that? How do we, how do we avoid this trap of, you know, alienating our kids to God because they felt like they forced all their life and and, and how do we yet be faithful to God in what we're called to do? Well, let me just say there are a lot of tasks in life that parents are called to do, but there is none more important than developing the faith of your child. There is no job you'll ever sign up uh, as a parent or as a worker or whatever it may be that is more difficult but probably more important than developing the faith of your child, and the stakes could not be higher. Let's look at the reality of that. The Bible teaches us that every person, every individual, man, woman, and child, even your precious child, will reach a point in life where they deliberately choose to disobey the God who made them. And the Bible calls that sin, and it tells us that our sin breaks the relationship that we should have with God. It destroys that relationship. But God chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world to call us back to God to show us how to live, and to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And the Bible tells us, as we've said a few weeks ago, that there is a real heaven, there is a real hell, and that real people are going to go to one or the other whenever they die. Jesus offers us a way to avoid hell 
and go to heaven. And we have that opportunity. And the basis for where we go is what we do with the gift that Jesus offers us of salvation. So the question is, do we accept his gift and be saved or we reject his gift and be lost? That is a question for every one of us. And every person, including your child, is going to have to decide that. They're going to have to make that decision. And ultimately, we, we can help them, but we can't make it for them. That's what's hard. We can't mow that obstacle down. We can't prevent them. We can't save our child ourselves, even though we would love to do that. That's what our heart wants all the time. So that's the challenge that we have there. How do we, how do we navigate all that, how important it is? So the question I have for you is, what should you as a parent do to help your child make this choice? And the answer I have for you as well is everything you can, everything you can. And let me explain to you why that is true. I believe that God has given us one primary responsibility as a parent, and that is to communicate the, the teachings of God, the faith of, of Jesus Christ to our children. The old uh, teacher Moses in the Old Testament wrote these words, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So here he talks about the importance of teaching the commandments of God to our children and he talks about being intentional in doing that in every area of your life. He talks about when you're, when you're sitting at home, what if you turned the TV off and just sat with your kids and talked to them about some of these things at the time? When you walk on the road with them, what if you took them for walks and you just talked about issues like that? When you go to bed, when you get up, that you have these things visible and tangible everywhere for you. In verse 7, in fact, it says, impress these things, that is the commandments of God, on your children. And you know that word impress, it has the idea to apply with pressure, to imprint, to mark, to stamp. And that doesn't sound a lot like the casual approach that we as parents take today with our kids, does it? I mean, when you're impressing something, when you're, you know, imprinting something on your children, that's not just like, hey, I hope it catches somewhere along the way. I hope they figure it out. No, it's very intentional, very deliberate. You take responsibility and be intentional. And so you don't drop them off at the church to hope they figure it out there. That, that is not what he's talking about here. You know, that really is how we've figured out how to get things done today, isn't it? We outsource it to other people. You know, we don't know how to play the piano. We, we like our kid to, so we take them and drop them off at a piano teacher, and then we pick them up, right? Or, or we don't, we're not the best soccer players, so we drop them off the soccer field or baseball, whatever it is, you know, whatever we're trying to teach them, we just outsource it to somebody else, including sometimes school. But you can't do that with faith. You just can't do it with faith. It doesn't work like that. You can't drop them off at church. You know, the average hour, someone said that, that a church would have a child per year would probably be about 40, and that, that counts the hour that they're in church, in junior church or student ministry, and uh, allowing for vacations and sick and whatever like that. But uh, so 40 hours a year is not a lot. But you as a parent have them about 3,000, 3,000 hours. Compare 40 to 3,000 and figure who's going to have the greater impact there. And that includes meals, driving your kids around, walking with them, talking with them, tucking them in, all those sort of things. Now let me say this, the 40 that we have them, they matter a lot. 
They matter a lot. They are designed to, to help, communi- help you communicate Christ to them and, and their focus time. We have Journey Kids. We have The Way. And I would say without any doubt, your kids need to be there if possible. But you can't rely on the church in 40 hours, even though they're important, 40 hours to do everything that needs to be done. We cannot replace your 3,000. But we can help you with those 3,000. We can encourage you and and do that, and we'll do our best to do so. But the parent trap that we're talking about here is the feeling that your child should decide for themselves what they believe and that you should not overly influence them. That is the trap that our world might try to tell us here. But let me tell you what, here's the bottom line. Let's just cut to the chase. The bottom line is not so much about your child as it is about you. The bottom line is that you as a parent have to decide if what you believe about Jesus is a matter of taste or a matter of truth. And I'm going to be honest, I never thought a lot about this a lot, but, but it really makes a lot of sense. Is it a matter of taste or is it a matter of truth? Now, if it is a matter of taste, like what you like best, like you like Mexican over Italian, or maybe you, uh, you like country music over pop, or maybe you like UK over U of L, whatever it may, whatever your personal taste is, if that's what it is, then absolutely your child needs the freedom to decide you know, at their own preference, what do they like best? Where, where are they going to go? But if your faith is based on truth, if it is based on truth, then you are battling for your child's very soul. Amen. It is good versus evil. It is heaven versus hell. It is where they're going to spend eternity. And so if, just a, if it's just a matter of taste and preference, then let them decide. Let them figure it out because you really don't believe in heaven and hell anyway. That's just a comfort thing for you. You're just, you know, you're just trying to get through life and doing what you think is best. But if what you believe is the truth, and if the Bible is true, eternity hangs in the balance. It's all about uh, this life and, and then what happens beyond. If the only way to God in heaven is through Jesus Christ, which is what the Bible says, then forget the parent trap. I mean, forget the parent trap. Who cares what the world thinks of how you parent, Right? And to be honest with you, if that's true, then who cares what your child thinks about how you parent and how you lead them in faith? Be the parent. You decide, is it taste or is it truth? And if that's true and you figure that out, then you want to do everything you can to help them make that choice. Everything you can. Starting when they're young, you're going to choose for them. You're going to choose for them. Now, isn't this the way parenting works? I mean, I think I remember, we have have four kids, and I think parenting works that you make choices for your kids because kids don't know what's best. You don't let your child make the wrong choices just to prove to them that you're not going to impose your value on them, do you? Do you let your child touch a hot stove and say, well, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you, but you, you do it for yourself and see if it hurts. Would you let your child play with a fork and stick it into an electrical outlet and shock themselves just to prove I don't want to impose my values, but I think that's going to hurt if you do that. Now, you're not crazy, are you? You're not crazy about that. You want to protect them physically. But if the soul, if eternity is the most important thing in your child's life, you are crazy if you let them make their silly choices as a child. You know the truth, and you tell them right from wrong. That's what parenting is all about. So why would we stop parenting 101 when it comes to the most important aspect of their life? The most important aspect of their life, which is their faith or their eternity. 
So let's get practical about that. You don't ask your child if, you want the, you, if they want you to read a Bible story or Pete the Cat. I mean, you, you just don't ask your child. Now, if you can, read them both. You know, we used to read multiple stories at night. But if it's only one or the other, it's a Bible story. It's not a secular story. You don't ask your child, would you rather watch the trolls or, would you, or VeggieTales? You know, if it's one or the other, then you let them watch VeggieTales because there's biblical principles there. You don't ask your child, do you want to go to church or not? Now you get in trouble, but you don't ask your child, do you want to go to children's church or you want to stay in big church? I got to be honest with you, I would like to think I relate to three-year-olds all the way up to 90-year-olds. I don't think I'm that good at that, uh, that kind of span, but I will tell you, we have a program designed for children, and that's the best place for them, better than in here, because I know when I was a kid, I was bored in big service, and I would play, I would distract somebody, my parents, my parents didn't get distracted very easily, but, but other people, or I would go to sleep. So, so the point is, I would encourage you to take advantage of the programs we have that, that help spiritual formation in your children. I think that's important. Put them in Journey Kids so they can learn the Bible on their own level. Because in their spiritual development, it's important. You take the lead and you tell them what they're going to do. Now, how does that relate when it, and how does it work when it comes to middle school and high school students? Well, I will again say, like I said last week, if you'll establish good parenting and expectations when they're young, then you won't have the battle when they get older. You won't have the battle. You know, we, we tried to do this with our kids, and the only time I ever had to lay down the law, which is sometimes we hate to do that, but the only time I ever laid down the law was when we had a really mediocre student ministry at one point, and they didn't want to go. And I hate to admit that, but there was a point in time it wasn't that great. And my kids didn't want to go, and I still had to lay down the law, go anyway, but but they went. Now, right now, we have an awesome children's ministry. We have an awesome student ministry and great volunteers. Yeah, let's give them a big hand. So uh, there's no reason not to go, no reason not to go. So I would encourage you to be uh, a parent that leads. You know, it's interesting. I had a, a parent this week who caught me, and she said, you know, I remember something you told us uh, probably 18 years ago, which is better than me. I, don't, I couldn't remember what I said 18 years ago. But she said, you told us when our kids were teens, uh, we were kind of waffling about whether they ought to be, you know, uh, told to go to church and youth group. And you told us this very thing, that you don't let your kids decide uh, things that they don't know about. We don't let them decide uh, issues that are important. You tell them and lead them. And she said, I'm so grateful you did that. So that lasted 15 years uh, 15 years ago. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to say the same thing again. Parents, our kids don't know what's best. They make dumb decisions all the time. Be the one that give, makes wide decisions for them. See, as your child gets older, it, it does become more about encouragement and, and more about expectations than about enforcement. More about encouragement and, and, and than enforcement there. And there's two main things I want to say. First of all is the question of, is your own faith real? Is your own faith real? Uh, you cannot lead someone where you have not been. You simply cannot do that. Many of the people that I've heard of today who hate church because their parents made them go as a child were, were children of parents who were not really living the Christian life themselves, and it all seemed fake to them. It really did. And by the way, there are people who say that, but I have for everyone who says that, I have found dozens of people who say I'm in church today because my parents tuck me to church. 
and I, it was modeled, and I, I, I led that. I, I followed that for my own family. But the people who, who, who have resentment today, most of them were because their parents were not truly believers in Christ, and it seemed fake. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who you are speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. And so if you are a parent and you're telling your child something but you're not living it, they're not hearing you, they are, they are watching you. And you want your child's faith to be real, then it has to be real in you and it has to be truth, not taste. And they got to be able to recognize that. Here's the second point, second reason. If you believe that, you not only live it yourself, but you do everything in your power to hold them and lead them to faith and spiritual growth. So I'm going to go with the premise that you really believe about Jesus is not your taste. It's not just what you prefer. It is truth. It's based on truth. If so, then you understand that your child and their family down the line will spend eternity in either heaven or hell depending upon what they do with what you teach them. Now guys, I want you to see we're in the moment and sometimes our decisions are based on what our child wants at the minute, and that sometimes changes. If your kids were like mine, they didn't, weren't always consistent in what they wanted. And so I had to make decisions for them in that. But I'm not, we're not dealing with the moment. We're dealing with eternity. That's why we got to get away from the idea that we're, we're, we, it doesn't matter if we're happy or sad at the moment, that we're looking down the line. It's eternity that we're talking about. It's eternity of our child. And not only that, it's the eternity of our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And on down the line, it's a legacy that we're leaving. It's not just, are we making our child unhappy at the moment? It's, can you look down the line and see what's going to happen years from now? Because you can't leave their salvation to chance. And you can't leave it to their immature and uninformed choice either. You just can't afford to do that if it's truth. If it's taste, forget about it. Let them decide on their own. But if what you believe is true, then you have to decide if you're going to lead or you're going to let your kids lead. And so you have to have convictions, and then you have to enforce them as unpopular as that may be. Because if you're the parent and you're more mature and you're wiser than your child, which I hope you are, you're going to have to take a stand and tell them sometime what they're going to do. And the younger they are, the easier it will be to establish that respect, obedience, and honor we talked about last week. Now, if you do everything that you can do, and I know some parents, I believe that is true. I know of parents, I think they've done everything they could do to lead their child, and, and their child still resisted following Jesus you know what, you can say, I did everything I could. I would rather do everything I could do and fail than bail out and, and still fail. I mean, I want to do everything I can possibly do. You know, I was raised by Christian parents who were genuine. Their faith was not taste, it was truth. It was very obvious. <clears throat> and so they told me at an early age what I was going to do. They told me what I was going to do. They never once asked me, if I was going to church. Never in all of my years at home, never once asked me. My dad got me up every morning and, and told me it's time to get ready for church. We never discussed it. <laughs> Wasn't a good, I don't think it would have been a good idea to discuss that with my dad. And you know what? I thought it was so well done, such a great practice that I carried it into my family. And you know, Sunday mornings are not always the easiest morning for, for ministers' families. We had four kids. They were Young, obviously, all of them young at one time uh, together, and it was hard, you know, but, but I was the one who got my children up, even if I had to get them, you know, started and then leave to go to church, I, I got them up because I think that's important. Dad, step up 
and leads your families. I think that's important. We never discussed it in our family either. We got up and we got ready for church and we, we went to youth group. Because here was the rule, and I don't want it to sound harsh, but the rule was like this. As long as you live under my roof, you're going to church and youth group. I don't think that's wrong. I think that's parenting 101. If you're going to provide, you're going to lead, then step up and lead. Because it was my house, it was my rule. Now, when my kids got out of high school, the rule still applied. And I didn't make them come here, but they went somewhere. And, they, and we didn't even discuss that either. You know, I didn't want to force them to come to their dad's church, but, but they went somewhere. Because that's how you lead, parents. It's how you lead. I wasn't trying to be a dictator, but I was trying to do everything I could, everything I could to lead them to know Jesus and then grow and develop in their own faith. And I think my kids are thankful now. I know that I'm thankful. I still thank my parents for the leadership that they gave me. It's important. So I want to empower you to lead your family, to lead as a parent, primarily because you have the most influence in your child's life where they will spend eternity. Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? And here's the other thing I believe is that one day as a parent, we will answer to our father as to how we led, how we directed our family. Was it truth? Now, here's the bottom line and what breaks a lot of parents' heart is you can't ultimately choose for your children where they're going to accept Christ. And will they follow them for a lifetime? We can't make that choice. But we can give them everything that they need to make that decision. We can, and if we don't, we're failing our children literally there. You know, I heard it years ago, and I don't hear this much anymore. I guess we've outgrown this, this old slogan or phrase. But somebody, I always heard you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? Right? You can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. You just can't force it to. But you know what? It can't drink unless you lead it to water. And your child, you may not be able to, you're not going to force them to accept Christ, but you can do everything. You can lead them to water, to living water, and then they must choose if they drink or not. Guys, I, I know it's tough, and it's a sensitive subject. I understand that. But eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. And I want to be in heaven with my kids and my grandkids, and however long the Lord lets the earth stand. I want to, I want to be there. So I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not letting up. I don't care how, how old they are, how young they are. I'm going to be on them, you know, because that's what parents are called to do. I want to be like Joshua in the Old Testament who said this, choose for yourself who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you'll help us in this jungle of parenting that many of us are currently in. Father, we have messages sent to us all the time uh, from our peers and our kids' parents. And Father, our, our kids struggle. They struggle with the hard issues because... Uh, they have pressure on them as well. But God, we know that while you may not always be yelling in our ear, and while you may not always be prompting, uh, tapping us on the shoulder about this important issue, that God, it stands there. And it is the issue of parenting. That we might fail our kids, they may never have all the popular things or be able to do the, all the great trips and sports and everybody, thing that everybody else does. But God, all those things are insignificant in the big picture. That Lord, really only the thing that matters is do they know Jesus? And will they be with us in heaven? God, put that on our hearts daily. May that be our prayer. 
for our children. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.